Welcome to the Contribution Revolution podcast, a revolution in kindness, love, and compassion. We're here to talk about all things nonprofit and celebrate nonprofit heroes. I'm your host, IRS licensed nonprofit expert, Mark Del Gershio, and featuring the founder of Nonprofit Advisor Group, my beautiful wife, Tricia. Be sure to visit contributionrevolution.org and tell us about your nonprofit's goals and aspirations. Your organization could qualify for a grant or other awards. And while you're there, sign the Contribution Revolution Pledge to make this world a kinder and more compassionate place. Okay, let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to the Contribution Revolution podcast. We have our very special guest today, Stephanie Gherkin from Michael's Angel Paws. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I think we got a good topic to talk about. So, Stephanie, uh, you've been with us for... Gosh, about 10 years um, yeah. <laughs> coming up this year. It's been a long time. Good good history for a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, tell our listeners or our viewers, depending on how they're consuming this, tell them what Michael Angel Paws is all about. Uh, so we are a nonprofit locally based here in well, Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, we've been, um, our biggest thing is helping others positively every day. And that's in regards to um, one of our biggest things, our biggest pillar is our assistance dogs, uh, where we help those that need um help with uh, stuff around the house, picking up things, guide dog work, any of that stuff, not guide dog work, but um, just mobility and things like that to give them the independence they need. Um, and then we also do our therapy dogs. So all of those dogs are trained through us to go and provide smiles through wagging tails to our local hospitals, our reading with Rover programs. Um, we've got a bunch of dogs participating in the Nevada Reading Week where they go and um, some of our teams will be reading to kids with their dogs and interact with the dogs. And then, um, our third one is our biggest is one is our community dog pillar, which is where we provide uh, dog training to our local community to help minimize the number of animals sent to our local shelters. A happy dog is a dog that's going to stay in a home. Wow. Positively. I, I love that. that. I yes. did. And it's the PAW. Yeah. Too. And they've, taught, they've taught dogs to read. They're in a reading program. I mean, <laughs> our dog would never want to read. I don't know. It's just could not get her to do that. But uh, but she was a therapy dog. So. We did have a therapy yeah, dog. Yeah, we did have a therapy dog. So. Yeah. They're awesome. So yeah. Yeah. So how did you um, how did you get into training dogs or training service animals? What was the origin of that? Um, so I'd always trained dogs my whole life, not really knowing what I was doing. I trained all the family dogs and to me, it just came second nature. Um, and then I did the college thing. So I do have a degree. And, uh, but then through college, I actually found there's an animal training school based in California near Mar Park College, um, that uh, specializes in exotics, animals, bears, and oh my. And so I attended that program for two years. Um, and then came to Vegas, um, when I met my husband. And then from there, I started training dogs. I really enjoyed the canines of all sizes. Um, I did a little bit of work with tigers, but realized that wasn't my thing. Um, <laughs> and then about 10 years ago, um, my husband and I, we uh, lost our son. Um, and that's really where Michael's Angel Paws um, origin came from. Um, and he would have needed a service dog um, for his independence. Um, and as a parent, you want your kids to be independent and you know thriving as much as possible. And so um, this is his legacy that you know, we have from there created Michael's Angel Paws to um, just give those that need the independence through the use of an assistance dogs or you know, the help of a therapy dog or you know, just a better well-trained dog that this is what we're here for. And I just took the expertise I needed um, and traveled it into there. I was very lucky to meet um, my Vegas mom um, who's up in heaven. She enjoys the time with my son right now. And uh, she was able to give me a grant to go to school to attend a service dog training school up in Northern California. So I spent six weeks up there and 
um, came home and started applying the, the knowledge. And uh, my oldest pup, Shasta, got to learn all 250 commands. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that, she, was, she was my test dummy. So Wow. Yeah. That, that's a beautiful uh, legacy. Often nonprofits and, you know, Trisha and I know this. We work with people every day. There's, yeah. there's usually an origin that's something very personal. And th- thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and, and really turning that situation around to something that's very, very positive. Uh, positive. Ah. <laughs> and you, and, I mean, I can't imagine the impact you've had over these years now training all of these, uh, all of these service animals. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So do, is there like one story that kind of stands out um, oh. that you provided a, a service animal to or a therapy animal that really touched your heart? There's a couple because they all have their own stories. Um, I would say the biggest one would have been Amber and Sammy. Um, Amber was a young, vibrant young lady um, that had just received a, was it Sammy? A, do- a doodle. I forget if it's golden or level doodle, but it's a doodle and was going to raise that dog as her mobility dog. And unfortunately, her health took a turn for the worse where she ended up being hospitalized for an entire year. Um, so she had just made a huge impact, loved her family. They kind of accepted me as their own, like, ah, bring your kids over, do whatever. And, um, so, so since she did that, I would actually go pick up her dog once a week and, you know, gallivanting around with the dog, going to my different lessons and things like that and bringing him home. And then finally she was well enough to come home and I was able, she hadn't, when she came home, she still couldn't walk to do everything in a wheelchair. And she's, like 21. I mean, 21, we're thinking about going down to the strip and drinking and doing all that stuff. And here she was fighting for her life. And Sammy gave her the will to live. And then I got to see her take steps for the first time. After all the rehab she had gone through, um, got the right harness to help with the support. And Sammy and Sammy stood there just proud as can be. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so she's, I still talk to her this day. I actually, um, she didn't know when I'm taking part in a new marketing scheme with her. So she was actually helping me out with that. Um, but yeah, there's those. And then our therapy dogs, um, there's times when they've gone to kids that have not talked and the therapy dog, I mean, the staff hasn't heard this child talk in two years and that brought in Zoe and Zoe allowed and that kid talk for the first time. in I don't know how long because of the trauma the kid suffered or what have happened. So Yeah. And then our, our community dogs are just the ones, these dogs come out of shelters, just, you know, broken and just, you know, have no confidence. And to see these dogs that couldn't be touched, um, just flourish, you know, under the guidance of a new, um, a new mom or a new dad. And many of them have come from pretty not nice backgrounds and now go and bring smiles through wagging tails through our therapy dogs. They've progressed through all of our training and now their therapy dogs giving back to the community. So it's just... It's amazing what they do. And um, we're just happy we get to be a part of that story for a little bit of time. So. How, how many dogs have you trained? Um, I lost track after 10 because that's as far as my fingers go. <laughs> uh, so we've trained for our, for our community dogs. We've trained over about 5,000 dogs to remain out of shelters. Um, and then our therapy dogs, we have about 250 that are active within the community. So they go every week to hospitals, but we're now returning to hospitals and all those places um, and going, working with the schools on all their new restrictions, helping out with that. And then our service dogs, I want to say we're up to about 200 graduates as of this. And we've got about 40 in the program at various ages. And we've got a couple that are set to graduate the end of this year. Wow. 
Boy, that that's really really impressive. I yeah. I had no idea that was the, those were the numbers. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's super cool. So what's what is the process like? Um, how, how do you, where do you get engaged? Like, you know, like take me from front to back, how it happens. Like, do you find the dog and then train it or somebody come to you or is it a combination of things where you have some training? How does it look? What does it look like? Yeah. So for our assistance dogs, and most of us realize that the, the, the term that we use, the most media term is service dogs, um, is either people have dogs of their own that they've come from a breeder or a rescue, um, or we've actually trained a few. And we actually find our greatest success in those that actually engage in the training because we get to pass that knowledge on and educate them. Um, so yeah, and we usually, so when someone calls, uh, we'll kind of go through a screening process. All of our assistance dogs go through an application process. So we go through all that. We do need a doctor's note. And the reason we um, want a doctor's note is we want to know about their medical team that we are bringing this on as part of their medical team. So if something happens, then they can, you know, I don't know medical. I don't know that. Um, and then we'll go through a Zoom chat, kind of like we're doing here, just to get to know each other. If they have a dog, uh, then I'll go out and temperament test it. And we do a home check too as well. Um, that's to make sure the dog is safe within the home and stuff like that. Um, and once they've done that, we'll enroll them in a group class. So we have them take part in a group class, all the sits, your downs, your stays, loose leash walking. And then once they've done that, we actually pair them with a trainer. Um, and they'll be paired with that trainer from 18 to 24 months to go through all of the basic obedience, the public access, and then the skills specific to their individual needs. And that's where it's unique is that all of their protocols is specifically written for their needs. Wow. So, um, we that's, do a lot. that's a long training process. Um, yeah. And uh, you have volunteers or, and people that do this, correct? I mean, you can't, yeah. you're not doing it all on your own. No, no. So we have been very <laughs> blessed with, uh, for the whole pandemic, I was allowed to bring on a director of development and outreach. So he has been amazing in taking off some of the pressure with that. We also have a director of canine coaches. So she's directly involved with coaching with all of our canine coaches or trainers um, and mentoring them, um, building up their confidence, asking questions. Um, and then we've got a team of seven trainers that we work with, um, all with various levels, various um, backgrounds. Um, and we all work as a really big team. Um, if someone has a question, you know, we all kind of work together to find the answer um, and see what we can do to help them. I mean, we're ultimately here to, to keep the dog within the home um, and do the best we can, but also, you know, sometimes be the bad guy, unfortunately, but, you know, you know, not every dog is meant to be an assistance dog, but we do everything within our power um, to get there. And then, you know, our responsibility is their health and safety of the dog. So. Yeah. Talk a little bit about um, like the impact of COVID because it's such a personal thing, right? Um, you're in people's homes. Uh, you mentioned going back to hospitals or yeah. being, I assume, allowed to after, you know, what was going on. <laughs> how, did, how did it affect your programs? And as a side question, did, did you find that people that um, had, let's say, companion dogs, were, was there an element of depression or um, you know, were people more isolated and, and they needed animals more like, you know, companion animals more because of all that isolation and depression that a lot of people suffered? Yeah. So I'll start with the, the, the isolation stuff. So, yeah, I mean, with a lot of our assistance dogs, the impact of COVID came out with not exposure because we couldn't get them out and work with them in those situations because we were on lockdown. Um, and we just didn't know how to respond because nobody's ever dealt with the pandemic in our lifetime. Um, but yeah, so that was hard. And a lot of our um, assistance dogs are kind of homebodies anyways, so not much changed for them. It was our therapy dog teams that had the biggest impact on them mentally because 
they couldn't go out and interact with the individuals because we couldn't go into those places. Um, so we kind of came up with some like different things that we did. We had one team, um, team midnight went out. It was early in the, it was in the springtime and the, they would bring all of the um, patients out to their windows and then midnight would jump up and do like a virtual window, like a window visit, you know, just to change up the day a little bit. And that kind of brightened their day because unfortunately our assistant or um, the assistants, those in the, oh, I can't think of the name of it. Um, in the assisted living were hit the hardest. We have not gone back to any of our assisted living places because of the COVID restrictions. Um, so we got pretty creative. Sometimes we do virtual ones, like we just get on the computer, here's a dog and they'd be excited about that. Um, but yeah, we had some ones and we send them some stuff to print out for all the patients to do something. Um, and then our community classes, uh, we took a good summer off and then we resumed classes that September. Um, and then um, our other biggest hit was we weren't allowed to do conventions. So a lot of our therapy dogs take part in what's called our pause and relaxes, which we provide therapy dogs to some of the major conventions that come here into town. Um, and that was, those are just now making a comeback. So, and that's a huge donor base for us too, as well. Oh yeah. That's really clever actually to have yeah. the dogs at the conventions. It's like hangover dogs, right? Like for somebody, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. you're in <laughs> Vegas. So like, I just want to pet a dog, <laughs> come back to reality. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. They, they help sponsor different, you know, levels of sponsorships that we have. And yeah, we're excited to bring those because those ones are always really fun for a therapy dog because they're happy. We're not going into someone's passing away or an assisted living situation. It's just happy. Everyone's like, we're there. We're in Vegas. We're at a convention learning. Oh, I've had too much knowledge. Let's go say hi to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it's kind of uh, interesting when you were saying how that group was the one most affected by the COVID. We had our little therapy dog that I used to take to the assisted living, uh, living, you know, places. And when we would drive down the road and she would see where we were pulling into, she literally turned on her working dog, you know, oh, yeah. she was a little Italian greyhound. Oh. And when she, when she would pull in the parking lot, she knew it was her job and she just was so focused. And I can imagine like how hard that even was in for the little animals. Yeah. Yeah. No. And we were able to, um, we had a unique situation come up where everyone, like we had taken times to go and visit some of the, the first responders and the nurses and stuff there. Um, but we connected up, actually, it's going to sound really dreadful, but a funeral home. And so we go and provide therapy dogs to them uh, once a week because they were also the hardest hit and the last of the forgotten heroes during that pandemic. And then um, they've got an awesome director that just wants the best for their staff. And so we go out and the dogs get in that parking lot and woo, 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 and they get their wiggle butts. And yeah. Do mm -hmm. you have a therapy dog? I don't. I actually have well, two personal dogs. And then I have Epi who's at our house and he is um, finally using his training and we're going to make a match with him hopefully next month. Um, so I've got a, I think he's 12, a 12 year old German short hair pointer that we inherited from a friend of mine. Um, and then we've got Leo, a golden retriever who actually is our, our career change dog in her service dog program. <laughs> He didn't quite cut the mustard, um, but his um, purpose in life was not to be a service dog, but actually to help raise other, other assistance dogs. So he's raised, I don't know how many assistant dogs in our house. So he comes in, he teaches the room how to play, how to work with my girls and stuff like that. So oh, that's really cute. That's funny. Yeah. So even though he wasn't there, he still has another purpose he plays in our life and stuff like that. And yeah, and he's just yeah, the group. I, I didn't think about, you know, it didn't occur to me, like when you're training service animals um, that, 
you have to be out in public in all different places, right? So you have to take them out to like the airport or restaurants or, you know, all where there's people. And so with, with COVID going on and everything locked down, that must have been really tough to be able to have them have those real world experiences that they, they have to have, right? Yeah, I mean, we were lucky. I mean, here, I mean, we take walks around the park. Like, luckily in Vegas, the weather was great. So I could, you know, we go to the park, we do car rides. Uh, we did go down to the strip when it was shut down. That was freaky, but that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, everyone can say they walked the strip when it was dead. Um, you know, so we just got creative. I mean, luckily enough, we've got enough technology that I could ask whatever her name is, Alexa or Siri, to play some noises. And we just did stuff that way. Um, with grocery shopping during the pandemic, I would just take him and either I would just go grocery shopping by myself and not take my kids. Um, we just got creative. Um, but now that we're open, we're back to utilizing the strip. So that's what's unique in Vegas. We've got a lot of different things and we will take dogs down to, um, the Bellagio, walk them through the gardens there and then go up all the elevators and then go take them on the tram ride that goes from Bellagio over to aria i think i just go and then that gets them used to tram rides on airports when they get ready to fly and then we'll go down to mccarran airport and do all that fun stuff so yeah and, and there's always a lot of people down there so a lot of a lot of different people <laughs> yeah like if they can survive the strip they're golden there's a lot going on you know that's that's yeah. pretty neat yeah, hey, so um do you train like uh service dogs let's say that are specific to people with um, hearing impairments and things like that is that something that you guys do yeah so as far as what we do we we do a wide range the only thing i don't do is guide dogs i leave those up to the guide dog people that is a whole nother ball of wax and they are amazing at what they do so i'm like you can take that um so a big thing we do is we do a lot of training for ptsd um, for our veterans we provide a lot of training for our veterans so we work on the blocks the covers and also civilians with ptsd it's not just veterans who get ptsd um, we do a lot of mobility um, so those are people that can have suffer from MS, back things, all sorts of stuff. So that's where the dog is trained to kind of off to balance them on a bad side, pick things up, open doors, um, help with laundry. We have one dog that's uh, one of our clients she can't bend over without going head over tea kettle. Um, so that dog's trained to take out the laundry, put it in the basket and then drag it across the room and go take it to her room. Wow. I'm like that's useful just for me because I hate laundry. <laughs> Um, yeah, we do the hearing alert dogs. So those are where dogs are specifically trained to pick up on doorbells and cell phone noises. Um, we have dogs that do diabetic alert dogs. So dogs are specifically trained to help with type one or type two diabetes. Um, and they'll wake them up in the middle of the night. Um, what else do we do? I, I lose track. So yeah, we've done a lot of different things and people will call for different unique things. Um, and we see what we can do to help them out. As long as we fall within the guidelines of the ADA, then we're good. And the guidelines of what we're working towards is our accreditation for the Assistance Dogs International. So as long as we fall within those guidelines and those, then we're good to go. So I just leave my dogs to them. Are there uh, fees for your services or how does that work? Yes, there are fees associated with our stuff. There's an application process. There's training fees. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, equipment fees and the purchase of the dog, depending if we purchase it um, or if they purchase it on their own. Um, there are places to help with that. Um, we do offer scholarships. Those have been a little tight the last couple of years due to, to COVID. Everybody's tight. It's not just us. So. <laughs> but yeah, there are fees associated with that. And um, of course, and then we try to help out as much as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for people like listening or watching that, you know, they understand that you can charge fees. And uh, yeah. for a lot of organizations, that's how they sustain, right? They have to charge fees to be able to yeah, I know. deliver quality services. And, you know, it's just yeah. logical, but. No, a lot of people hear the word nonprofit. They're like, oh, you get it for free. I'm like, yeah, 
difference is taxes. That's the only write-off I get is, is, is that, is I don't pay taxes quarterly. Um, but yeah, it is a misnomer. I'm like, I've got a cell phone fill. I've got a staff to pay just two as well. And yeah, we do charge a fee. Um, it's a nominal fee, but um, it also is if you pay for it, then you're going to put the work into it. So. Right. so is there a uh, particular breed of dog that you really love to train or that works really well? Um, I'll work with any dog. Um, but when we come to the assistance dogs, it's really a, a specific temperament that we're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the breed, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. I mean, we've got Shepherd Akitas in the program. We've got Pit Bulls in the program. We've got King Cavaliers. So when we're in our assistant dog program, we're really looking for a, a very specific temperament. I call them bomb-proof couch potato dogs. Basically, a bomb can go off. They look at you like, oh, that's nice. I'm going back to bed. Because they've got to be up when they're up with the client and down when they're down. Because we all know with the disability, there are days when you're good and there's mm-hmm. bad days. And that dog needs to be able to, to chill. Yeah. Yeah. What's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned over the past few years in running a nonprofit? Uh, flexibility. <laughs> um, and always being ready to pivot, ready to just make a change. I mean, I never thought we'd be doing virtual training and now we do virtual training. And I think it's one of the coolest things because uh, it puts all of the pressure on the person to do the work and not me because I can't, I can't tell you how to do it. I can't pick up the dog and physically do it, you have to learn how to do it. So, and I think it puts a lot more ownership into that and they can see the dog succeed. And, and then you see their confidence built um, over time. We've worked with a lot of young ladies that just come in, they couldn't say two words to me. Now you can't get them to shut up, but, but that's good because they've, they've seen their confidence and having that dog has given them confidence from their various um, you know, mental health issues that have happened over the years. So, yeah. Mm. Oh, so neat. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned 250 something commands, like how many commands are there? <laughs> uh, so I went to a school and they have 250 commands, the, the dogs, and it's, it's for a wide gamut of stuff. And um, so when I came home, I was super stoked and Shasta, um, our rotten lab at the time, loved to work. Um, so her and I sat down and we literally broke all those 250 commands into step-by-step training protocols. Wow. I I think I've only learned like maybe 12 (laughs) myself. I mean, it's, she's been working on me for 16 years, but uh, yeah, I I figured if I can't train my own dog, then I have no business training somebody else's dog. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I would, I actually uh, did the agility training with my dog to, to train her. And that was like the best way to actually train my dog obedience because she was listening up. So, and she was also excited to perform her tasks. So it was a positive way to do the learning. Yeah. Oh, and we we have a lot of fun training with the dogs. (laughs) A lot of fun, a lot of laughter. (laughs) Yeah. It was a funny story because Trisha took, took Dolce, which is the Italian Greyhound to this training and um, you know how they do the what was all the things, the touch thing and the seesaw and the... Well, it's A-frame and <laughs> <Yeah>. tunnel. <laughs> right. So she she does the tunnel, gets really excited about that. And this the person had this pool, right? And it was winter. It was cold, you know, Las Vegas. And the pool had a, a bunch of... Debris. And, you know, just <laughs> foam on it or whatever. The dog went through the tunnel, lost its mind, and just dove into the pool. Yeah. She literally went racing through the tunnel, came out, went around the tunnel, over the top of the tunnel, and dove into the pool. And it was like my brother-in-law was there, and he pulled her out, and then they put her in their coats to warm her up. It was hilarious. Yeah. Italian Greyhound's not really big swimmers, you know. No, I was just saying, yeah. 
yeah not a whole lot of fur to keep them warm either <laughs> right it was funny yeah yeah so um what are the future plans for uh michael angel paws oh awesome we are looking to expand out of my house you can see <laughs> ah. and actually get a training facility um we have spent 10 years growing it we're revamping it remarketing doing all sorts of stuff um, and rebuilding it from the ground up. And we really want to get a place called Michael's Place. Um, this will be an indoor temperature controlled, um, beautiful indoor, I call it Central Park when you walk in. So he's got a nice little office area. And then you got, when you go in, it's an indoor Central Park so that um, we can train indoors. In Vegas, we are limited to weather. We either have extreme cold or extreme heat. Um, and so this allows us to train 24 seven all around the year. And, um, you know, we've been lucky out here. We've partnered with a lot of um, partnerships with a lot of dog train, dog um, boutiques place, um, done training classes out of there. But now we've expanded that now we're limited to their times. And so if we can have our own training facility, we can offer more classes and be able to help more of our community um, and graduate more dogs um, and get more volunteers. Um, so we're really looking at building a, a facility and uh, getting it out of my house. <laughs> Yeah, that, that would be great. I mean, and um, uh, we, we always tell people this too, you know, you don't have to buy it. Like you can have somebody donate it or donate the use. So yeah. um, a lot of creative ways to, to do that. And especially with real estate being up so much, you know, somebody that's donating a piece of property today is really going to maximize their donative value because, you know, they're going to get yeah. generally fair market value for that property as opposed to maybe what they paid for it 30, 40 years ago. And one thing I always say about the, the, the animal folks, the, we've done a lot of nonprofits related to animals, all kinds of animals and all. And they're always so passionate. And the people that support those organizations are all, all also very, very passionate. And I mean, you have something that connects with so many people, um, whether it's a service animal or a therapy animal or companion companion dog so it's i think it's something that you can definitely pull off because of the fact that you know everybody loves what what you do right and they yeah. pretty much love dogs and yeah. and they're very passionate about it so that's a nice leverage point for you to be able to to um to do that yeah yeah no we've been fortunate we've been we've been building our building fund and we're getting closer and closer so we're hoping that this year is the year that we can just move it out of the house and uh, just have a place to call our own and we're not driving all over the city and just being able to have a central location that we can and, and help more people. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is that if we have that here, we can do it and we're not, because a lot of times ours will run classes from September to April and come April, we have to stop a lot of classes because it's just too hot to be outside. Yeah. Nobody wants to be outside when it's 110 degrees outside, including the trainers. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we're excited about it. I mean, it's got I mean, we have, we'll have one, you know, there and we'll grow it into the bigger one, but it's got some, yeah. And we just want it to be pure training. We don't need boarding. There's enough doggy daycares here in Vegas and enough boarding facilities that we just purely want it to be a training center. So what is a, a way that the listeners could be in contact with you? Um, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we've got our email address. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. We've got Twitter, um, our website. Uh, michaelsangelpaws.org. You can always call us directly, uh, 702-658-0148. And, and, you know, we always welcome donations. I couldn't say anything without that. <laughs> well, definitely. You got to ask for it. You know, and yeah, you, don't you, ask, they don't give. Yeah. you guys have had a great social media presence. And again, like all the different events that you've done and, you know, places you've been and having the dogs there. So it's, it's just, it's always very photogenic, you know, and people want to see that. So yeah. really cool. Yeah. And we'll promote you too. We'll also, um, 
have the links that uh, people can access the organization learn more and, and how they can participate. Yeah, no, yeah. it's always fun. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we got our big event coming up in September. It'll be our 10th year of our hope celebration. Wow. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Is that at a particular place you're having it? So we're doing it it's September 11th and it'll be at the space in Las Vegas. Okay. So wow. if anybody knows the home of Monday's dark, that's where we'll be. Oh, nice. All yeah. right. So. Well, cool. That is awesome. Well, I'm so delighted that we had the opportunity today to meet with you and have this little chat and learn more about what it is you're doing. And if you need anything from us, we're always here for you to support you in any way that we can. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's always fun to sit down and talk to people. So yeah. 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 Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for your time today. And, uh, Keep us posted. We'll be we'll we'll see the pictures on social media, but uh, yeah. definitely as your uh, special event comes up, um, you know, keep keep us informed of what's going on, and we'll we'll pass the word on. Yeah, and we're always looking for sponsors too. So there you go. If you ever want to be a sponsor, so oh yeah. hey, that's Absolutely. awesome. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. cool. You get a twofer, so you get your name, and then you get to write it off. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What's better than that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That's All right. Great. Okay, well, have a great rest of the day. Have a wonderful weekend and uh, take care of those puppies. <laughs> I will. You guys have a blessed week too. All right. Thank you. Take care. Good to see Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. I hope what you heard will inspire you to join a movement of kind and compassionate people who care about others. Be sure to support our guest and visit contributionrevolution.org for free tips, training, and inspiring stories of our nonprofit love revolutionaries. Remember, it's up to all of us to make the world a kinder, loving, and compassionate place. Signing off until next time. See you soon.